You know, Potato Head, you just fell for the oldest routine in the book. Bad cop? Worst cop. <laughs> <laughs> Did you sleep with my sister? Oh, I don't believe you. <laughs> Did you bump uglies with my sister? Bump uglies. <laughs> Did you? Hey, listen, I was so drunk, I honestly, I don't remember, okay? Come on, worst cop, we're late. Welcome to the McQuaid Arcade Podcast. I'm Barney. And I'm Biggs. On this episode, we are checking out a an as-of-yet unexplored genre here on the show, one that was born in the 80s. 48 Hours is generally credited as really kicking it off in 1982, and that is the Buddy Cop movie. We got quite a few of them throughout the decade, but I think Tango and Cash, starring Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell, is a cool choice for our first one. Here on the show, because not only was it the last buddy cop movie of the 80s, it was the last movie of the 80s, which is kind of wild. Well, like co-last movie, right? It was at least released at the same time as uh, another one on the same day. Yes, it was released on December 22nd, 1989, along with the movie Always. And both those films were the last movies of the 1980s. Was this way a good way for the 80s to go out? I think so. Personally, I kind of love this movie. Um, I've seen it a bunch of times, and every single time I watch it, I just have a big, dumb smile on my face. <laughs> it's also an interesting buddy cop movie because in terms of like star power, I don't think we'd seen two big-name action stars like Stallone and Kurt Russell share the screen before like this. Had we? I don't think so. This really was a neat team-up, and this felt very new in its time. I guess it was originally going to be Stallone and Patrick Swayze, but Swayze ended up doing uh, another action film that came out in 89, a little movie called Roadhouse. Nice. This movie, I guess, was just an absolute disaster behind the scenes. The original director was fired after a few months of filming because he believed, and uh, Sylvester Stallone agreed, apparently, that the movie should have been darker with a more serious tone, while the producer thought it should be campier. Um, Stallone had this to say about the two directors. Andre was the original director was a real gentleman, and I thought his take on Tango and Cash was very good and would have been infinitely more realistic had he been allowed to continue. His replacement was more attuned to comic pop culture, so the film had a dramatic shift into a more lighthearted direction. I guess Stallone was the one who, according to multiple people involved in the movie, that really held the whole thing together. By the end, uh, I guess he was working unofficially as a director and producer and writer, doing a ton of rewrites every day after they filmed because the thing was was such a mess. Not only were there just constant daily rewrites that, again, Stallone was doing a lot of the time. It went $20 million over budget. Wow. There were a bunch of reshoots. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing had to be totally re-edited because Warner Brothers, when they saw what was going to be the finished product, thought it was just a mess. Uh, and the movie went through so many changes. If you watch the trailer for this movie, and it's very obvious, having just watched this movie for the show, that a huge chunk of the tra the trailer isn't in the final finished version of the movie that we got. 
it's so cool to learn that because there have been some movies over the years where the trailer feels so different than the actual film. And sometimes you go back and like, wait, we never saw that. And maybe this explains it, that they actually take some of those early footage scenes, they put them together for the trailer, but then it's a disaster. So they're cutting behind the scenes. And I read that this behind the scenes problems were so bad that one of the crew members said in an interview, quote, this was the worst organized, most poorly prepared film I've ever been in in my life. From the day we started, no one knew what the hell anyone was doing unquote wow now i read uh all this did some research before re-watching the movie for the show i've seen it a lot but i haven't I hadn't seen it in a long time but based on my memory i was surprised to read all this because i remember it being a, a really cohesive movie but it's not it's really not it's all <laughs> over the place there are there are even like weird editing and continuity issues there's a scene where kurt russell is sitting with his boots up on a table and there's a sudden, this weird, like, cut. And he's, like, just sitting in a different position all of a sudden. Like, uh, frames were just yanked out of the film. Like, he sneezed. And they just cut it out and didn't bother <laughs> to do anything to, to make it match up uh, to how he was sitting a couple seconds earlier. And there's a scene where he hops out of his car, empty-handed. And then we see him walking up to his apartment door with, like, arms full of groceries and beer. Uh, he's eating, like, a burrito or something all of a sudden. Um, and, I mean, technical issues like that aside... By the end of the movie, it feels like a totally different movie, right? So yeah, after rewatching it, I totally believe that this thing was a mess. But like I said, I still kind of love it. And I would say on a passive watch, you know, if you're looking for it, I think you do see those things. But if you're just kicking back, sipping a beer and just letting yourself fall into the madness of the film, I feel like it actually is pretty cohesive and comes together well. So I, I don't think I would have known that before reading about that. This movie has a lot of nostalgia for me, as you may know. This was one of the first movies in our house on Laserdisc. Mm. And for the youngins out there, that's not a DVD. That's not a Blu-ray. That <laughs> is a Laserdisc. It was the size of a record, but it looked like a CD, but it was huge. And it was the first movie that we had that had surround sound. So we had this Laserdisc, and my dad had installed these rear speakers uh, into the dropped ceiling tiles for our quote-unquote big-screen TV, which back in the day was really big. Um, and that was really neat because that was a front CRT projection television with a drawer. Do you remember, I remember this thing that, thing that thing. actually yep. pulled down, this big wooden thing? It pulled down because the, the CRTs, red, green, and blue, were like projectors, and they were shooting the image onto the mirror and then bouncing it back, back up to the screen. It was wild. On the screen. It was incredible, right? And it was huge and heavy. It was several hundred pounds. You couldn't move it around. And this was all just to get a 72-inch screen, but mind you, in a four-by-three ratio. So it's way right. smaller than the widescreen TVs we have now. So we kept playing this opening over and over and over again with the sounds of that helicopter because that helicopter in the first opening scene kind of flies behind you and we'd all go, oh my gosh, it feels like it's behind you. <laughs> and still to this day, I can hear Stallone saying, okay, let's do it. It's like he's here with us. <laughs> should we uh, Should we talk about the movie? Should we break down the... Take us through the it. The epic story of Tango Cash. <laughs> so Stallone and Kurt Russell play rival LA cops, Ray Tango and Gabriel Cash, respectively. Tango and Cash. Cash and Tango. See, now what we have here is a classic odd couple style pairing because Tango, see, he's from Beverly Hills and he wears expensive three-piece suits. Uh, Cash calls him Armani with a badge at one point and he's always checking out his stocks in the paper and getting urgent calls from his stockbroker throughout the movie. Uh, <laughs> and he drives a Cadillac. But Cash, he's a, a downtown L.A. detective and he drives an old... 60s Corvette, eats greasy pizza, wears jeans and cowboy boots, and he's got this great, like, 
Tina Turner teased out <laughs> hair. When, uh, so these guys, very different. One character in the movie sums up their rival, rivalry as downtown clown versus Beverly Hills Wop. Get it? Like Beverly Hills Cop. But he's, but he's an womp. Italian gentleman. And it's funny because while, see now, while Tango looks more like James Bond in his fancy suits, it's Cash who's got the high-tech gadgets and weapons. He carries around this pistol with this comically large laser sight on it. It looks like he has a box of Kleenex on top of his gun. <laughs> and he's got a secret gun built into one of his boots, his cowboy boots. Um, now, I don't mean a gun that he pulls out of the boot and shoots. Oh, no, no. His boot is the gun. We are talking full-on gun boots here, which is super weird. So these two guys are always making big... Uh, the front page of the paper with their big drug bus. And after their latest, we get to see both of their latest big collars at the beginning of the movie. The kingpin of L.A.'s criminal underworld, Perrette, played by Jack Palance, basically reprising the exact same role he played uh, in Batman earlier that year, except with like 200% more rats. <laughs> He's super into rats in this movie for some reason. He's always like holding them. Holding them and like kissing them and it's, like it's really unsettling. he's got a, a rat maze built for them and in, in, built into his <laughs> bar, so he decides that they have finally cost him enough money, uh, and he has them both killed, and that's the end of the movie. Just kidding, of course it's not that simple <laughs> for a uh, for a villain like Jack Palance. In an elaborate setup, Perrette has the top cops framed for murder. Fun fact: uh, the original title of this movie was the setup. Mm. and they are convicted and sent to what's supposed to be they like kind of strike up a deal and they're supposed to be sent to like a minimum security prison but they end up getting instead sent to a maximum security just hellhole of a prison where they're thrown into general population with a bunch of the criminals that they themselves have put away it's actually a pretty compelling story and you could imagine how if this were done in a more serious way it could be a pretty intense film but they went a little bit more with the camp and cartoonishness and yeah i appreciate for what it is uh one of my favorite characters is the character <laughs> belovedly known as slinky who who was played by clint howard which is ron howard's brother which yeah. i didn't know until now I, I never knew that before he is a very strange looking guy and he has this great exchange with ray tango when ray tango enters the cell slinky's in there and he says i'm not afraid of you see that i killed him and Tango says, congratulations. <laughs> he says, he says, he was my best friend. Crazy people aren't afraid of anybody. And it's just a wild, wild exchange. Clint Howard is one of those, you call him a character actor, but not like a Paul Giamatti character actor uh, who's actually a really good actor getting into different kinds of characters. Uh, for Clint, character actor is sort of code for a distinctively weird looking guy <laughs> that you put in a movie because he's so strange looking. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great scene where Ray goes to his cell and Slinky is there, his new roommate. And uh, he's obsessively playing with a Slinky and Tango politely asks him to stop. And then he doesn't. And, and he ends up tying him up with the Slinky. We see, uh, we see poor Slinky all tied up, introduces, uh, introduces him to cash as his fiance Slinky. <laughs> So after their, uh, their first night there, they're dragged from their cells and almost killed by Perrette's men. And they're saved by Tango's former commanding officer, who's now, uh, I guess he's the assistant warden at the prison. And he tells them that the place is just hopelessly corrupt and they're going to die. The only chance they have 
to survive is to escape. And he helps him do so at the cost of his own life. Uh, Peretz men end up finding and killing him. And after they escape, Tango and Cash head off separately and begin searching for whoever was responsible for setting them up. They split up. Tango goes after Weiler, who's a crooked cop who planted Cash's gun at the murder scene. And he admits to Tango that he was paid to do it by an Englishman with red hair and a ponytail. Meanwhile, Cash pays a visit to the audio recording expert guy who, at their trial, verified the authenticity of a recording of the two cops, seemingly commit the murder that they had been accused of. Turns out, he was not only paid to do so by the bad guys, but he was the one who created the fake recording. As they're escaping, uh, Tango tells Cash, if he ever needs to get a hold of him, go to the Cleopatra Club and ask for Catherine. Catherine, as it turns out, is Tango's sister, played by Terry Hatcher, who we meet uh, earlier in the movie. She's a dancer at the club, and she brings Cash back to her place, which she rents from her brother. And the two cops reunite and compare notes. This is a hilarious scene when they all get back together. Um, (laughs) It really is like a sitcom level scene, isn't it? It is like classic threes company like (laughs) formula. So uh, Ray Tango comes home and there's his sister um, who is giving Cash a massage. He kind of like slipped a disc. He's like, oh, I think I popped a disc out. And she's rubbing his back. She's like, oh, we got to slide it in there. Wiggle it in. Yeah. And it's like it's like Mr. Furley listening to Chrissy and Jack try to like change the shower head in the bathroom. Yes. She's like, Jack, it's not going in. And he's like, you just have to push it harder. And he looks at the camera like, what? All the double entendre. It's so ridiculous. Total threes company. So they're all, they reunite and they, uh, they go to track down the English ponytail guy, Rakeen. And he gives up his boss, Perrette. Rakeen is played by a guy named Brian James. Um, we got to talk about this, this character. <laughs> Apparently, it started out as a small part, but Sylvester Stallone ended up writing him into much more of the movie because he made such an impression when he showed up to shoot his scenes. See, he showed up and he decided to do all his lines in a Cockney accent, just out of the blue. He's like, how can I stand out? And he shows up. It wasn't part of the character. He just shows up and he's like, hello, governor. <laughs> it's the worst but everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. Stallone's like, yeah, that's like your initiative and like wrote him into more of the movie. <laughs> now, that's an actor right there. Uh, look, I am not what one might call a linguistics expert, but I'm pretty sure his Cockney accent is one of the worst in the history of accents or anything else. It's so <laughs> hilariously unconvincing. It sounds like a guy who just showed up one day in the and he's in the car. He's like, you know what? Yeah, we're going Cockney for this. He kind of psyched yeah. himself up looking into his yeah, rear view works, mirror. Man. It's like, we he's got the English this. guy in this movie. Um, <laughs> he did it. Oh, he's throwing around bloke and governor and blimey. And, but it sounds about as, I think actually I sounded more convincing just, just now. It's almost as convincing as Terry Hatcher's uh, Brief, weird, and random drum playing. Remember that during her number in the club? <laughs> she yes. goes to the bartender. She's like, hey, sticks or stick me or something. Gives him the sticks and she starts playing. It's like, what? Um, so they, they learn from uh, Rakeen that Perrette is the bad guy that they need to take down. So Cash takes Tango to meet maybe my favorite character in the whole movie. Uh, I believe it's our favorite character in the whole movie. 100%. Owen. Um, 
we mentioned his special gadgets and weapons early in the show, like his gun boots. And Owen is the guy who developed them. Apparently, whatever branch of the LAPD that Cash works for has its own crazy experimental weapons department with a lab right out of a, a 007 movie. Well, all municipal police departments clearly have an experimental weapons division, right? This is normal. Clearly. I mean, this is some spot-on 80s magic right here. Owen is so ridiculous, so over-the-top, that you just have to chuckle, shrug, and go along with it. He's got his hat on backwards and is wearing some sort of ridiculous headgear supporting a, wait for it, large <laughs> magnifying glass over his <laughs> left eye, which has the clearly intentional comic effect of making him look all googly-eyed and ridiculous. And he wears this in every single scene throughout the movie, even when he's clearly not working on a project that requires magnification. All the <laughs> so time. So ridiculous. He just wears it. So he uh, helps Tango Cash gear up, and they commandeer a vehicle referred to as the RV from Hell. It's this big, black, armored SUV loaded with weapons, and uh, they drive it through a quarry... Which turns out is a real quarry. Uh, it's not a set. And this is where the movie shifts into like full-on video game mode, right? <laughs> like it is so crazy and over the top. They're driving this this giant uh, crazy truck through this qu- quarry full of guys uh, with machine guns. And there's monster trucks with miniguns and missile launchers chasing them and giant construction vehicles. Yeah, it's super fun, but feels totally, <laughs> totally out of the blue. Um, like we're watching a different movie. So they make it through this giant gauntlet of henchmen. Sadly, the truck doesn't. Poor Owen. The whole time, he's like on a video screen on the dashboard and like, hey guys, is the truck okay? How's-? He's got this <laughs> funny voice. Like, I can't even do it. It's just perfect. Uh, and you feel so bad for him because uh, they promised to bring it back without a scratch on it. And he's like, hey, what was that noise? And there's like a bulldozer smashing into them. <laughs> so the truck is dis- destroyed. They make it to the compound and we discover... That Perrette, at some point, uh, has taken Catherine prisoner. And when he realizes they've they've made it, they've made it to his fortress, he activates a self-destruct system with this, like, computerized voice warning announcement (laughs) and big digital countdown clocks all over the place. Because, of course, he has one. This guy has one of those. Naturally. Uh, Is this a spaceship? (laughs) I mean, it could be weirder, right? He could have, say, uh, I don't know, a big hall of mirrors. In his office behind a secret door. Oh, wait. He totally does. It's Tango and Cash make it to his office. There's a fight. They take out Rakeen. And then this door slides open. Revealing Perrette, Jack Palance in all his glory with Catherine in a crazy hall of mirrors set up where you can't tell ooh, which is the real him, which is the real bad guy. Why does he have this in his office? <laughs> they figured out, Tango and Cash figure out uh, who he really is, and they both simultaneously shoot him in the head before he can kill Tango's sister. Uh, Cash, of course, does it using his, his gun boots. They all escape, narrowly, avoiding the explosion, uh, and Cash and Tango high-five for real this time. It's like a running joke, like interrupted high-fives throughout the movie between the two of them. Uh, and we see a front page headline announcing that their names have been cleared and they're back on the force. Despite the fact that they've killed hundreds of innocent bystanders oh and caused millions Untold of dollars of destruction. destruction. No problem. Flaming bodies everywhere. <laughs> the uh, the newspaper thing is funny. That's actually like a narrative device that is used a lot during the movie. We see a lot of newspapers uh, when they're when they're their busts that they make at the beginning, you know, then their trial and reinstatement. 
Feels like something that one might call lazy storytelling or a way to stitch together uh, a mess of a movie. I don't mind it, but you'd think that at least that a movie that relies on newspaper articles to tell a story like this one does would bother to have the story text uh, at least even kind of match the headlines in the movie. They don't. I pause the movie to read the headlines and the text, the stories totally don't match up. (laughs) <laughs> because of course they don't. Why would they in this movie? I'm going to put screenshots. And clearly, that's from another time, right? That's from another time oh, when yeah. people didn't have high resolution displays and were able to freeze frame. Exactly. Yes. No. There's no way we would have we would have noticed that detail on your uh, giant projection TV. Uh, I want to put screenshots of those newspapers with their weird, unrelated stories up on our site, along with some other fun bonus material. As always, go to McQuaidArcade.com. Click on the episodes and find this one's page, or you can just click the uh, little link that we have in the podcast description. Well, Tango and Cash was rewarded, in a way, by being nominated for three Golden Raspberry Awards for Worst Actor, Sly Stallone, Worst Supporting Actress, Kurt Russell in Drag, and Worst Screenplay. Uh, Fortunately, it lost all three. Yeah, the Kurt Russell in Drag thing. That That was a high point of the film. Also a very 80s theme. The macho guy sort of in drag. It's like funny for this, just the fact that he's doing this. Uh, Michael Wilmington of the LA Times called it, quote, a waste of talent and energy on all levels, unquote, and criticized <laughs> wow. the film as both illogical and predictable. While Dave Kerr of the Chicago Tribune wrote that one interpretation of the film is, quote, a crafty foreigner's sly parody of the current state of American culture, unquote. Read and into that what you will. Hmm. The uh, the music in this movie was the score was done by prolific 80s movie composer Harold Faltermeyer, who also did Beverly Hills Cop, Fletch, uh, Top Gun. And the main theme from this movie, it, it has to be one of my favorites from the 80s. It's so catchy and it gets stuck in my head all the time. Like even before I rewatched this movie, it would get stuck in my head <laughs> like way more than it should. Maybe I need to see someone about that. <laughs> There's a problem in my brain uh, where I'm just always hearing the Tango and Cash theme, but it's so great. There was no... Uh, Soundtrack album released, but the big standout song is definitely Don't Go by Yaz from Upstairs at Eric, which is a great album from 1982. That's the song that's playing uh, during the nightclub scene that Terry Hatcher dances and awkwardly tries to drum along to. Um, I thought we should close out the show in a fun new way. I went online and I found a Tango and Cash 10-question trivia quiz Mm. that we're going to take together. Are you ready? I'm excited. Yes, I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Number one, what is Cash's first name? I'm going to give you the choices. Ray, Gabe, Jack, or Gabriel? Gabriel. Okay, go with Gabriel. I believe you're right. Uh, What's Tango's first name? We got Ray, Kurt, Steve, or Rambo. (laughs) I like Rambo. I think I need to put Rambo. I like Rambo. (laughs) Uh, no, he's Ray. Ray Tango. Rambo Tango. Rambo. Um, that was a line right early in the film. He goes, who do you think oh, you are? That's... He thinks he's Rambo. 
Yep. There was also a funny... Oh, there was a joke that I didn't... We, I'm sure you didn't either. We didn't get when we watched this movie back then. Somebody offers Sylvester Stallone a Danish. He's like, no, I hate Danish. And apparently that's a joke because he had just uh, gotten a divorce from Danish actress Brigitte Nielsen. Oh, my gosh. Before this came out. She's so kind of a says, recurring Danish. She's like, yeah, fascinating. Brigitte. Anyway. Who hates Danish? Nobody. <laughs> uh, what did Tango's captain say was staring death in the eye? Oh, there's a blank. We fill in one word. Um, I don't remember this at all. What are our what, choices? There's no choice. It's just a blank. I have to type a word. It's one word. Oh, my gosh. What did Tango's captain say was staring death in the eye? Um, I don't know. I don't. Pick a word. I'm going to put... Uh, Blimey. Blimey's a good word. I think that's perfect. What was Cash's gun supplier's name? Owen, Lopez, Steve, or Barry? Come on. Easy. That's a gimme. Uh, What was Tango's sister's name? Linda, Catherine, Marge, or Chelsea? We know it was Catherine. Catherine. Uh, What was the name of the club that she worked at? The Blue Oyster. (laughs) Uh, Tie one on. T-Y-E. That's a reference to something. I don't know. The Blue Lagoon or the Cleopatra Club. The Cleopatra Club. Yeah. Uh, we need to do a Police Academy episode for sure. Yes. Um, what was Tango's underwear riding into? His butt, his throat, his hands, or his feet? Wait, doesn't he say... Hold on. Doesn't he say he's it's riding into the unknown? And... I'm not ta- sure. And somebody's like, yeah, way into the unknown. I think... Hold on. All right, I'm going to say... Throat? We'll, okay, we'll say his throat. I think this is incorrect. I'm calling shenanigans on this quiz. What was Cash called in the newspaper? Funny clown, uptown clown, downtown clown, or rodeo clown? Maybe rodeo clown? Or no, downtown clown, I'll bet. Downtown clown. <laughs> That's a different movie. Um, who did Cash originally think set him up? Quan, Rakim... Lopez or Perrette? Lopez. And that was in that ridiculous scene in the shower. The in, longest, right. most luxurious shower scene in prison. They're hanging out. All the showers oh. are on. It's steamy. They're just oh, walking yeah, no, around Oh, yeah. No, they're by themselves, hanging out. <laughs> uh, I think, hold on. I'm going to, okay, I'll put Lopez. I think it might be Quan. I think he says Quan first because there's two guys working with Perrette, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Quan and Lopez. Quan uh, played by James Hong, who we just know, talked about in uh, The Golden Child in our last episode. Nice. Um, all right, we'll put Lopez. I think it might be Quan. Here we go. The last question, number 10. What did Tango and Cash say they were going to do to Skinner? So Skinner was the audio guy, right? Was that Skinner? Rip his tongue out with a tow truck, put a grenade down his pants, shoot him with a shotgun, destroy his equipment. Well, I remember uh, Cash just starts shooting up his equipment, right? Hmm. I don't think they said we're going to... And they, they stuff a grenade down... Uh, the the English guy's pants. Yes. Right? What do they say they're going to do to Skinner? Maybe it was destroy the equipment. Hmm. This is All a right. hard quiz. Let's see how we did as Tango and Cash super fans. <laughs> Submit my answers. <laughs> okay. What is Cash's first name? Gabriel. We got that right. What is Tango's first name? Ray. Got that right. Uh, what did Tango's captain say was staring death in the eye? Surprisingly, it's not blimey. <laughs> uh, the correct answer was marriage. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, I do remember that. Um, right, right, right. Do you? Yes. Uh, gun supplier was Owen. Sister was Catherine. Um, 
The club was the Cleopatra Club. Uh, his throat. You were right. Nice. Oh, do you know what? I was incorrect. It's when Tango and Cash get back together at the house with Catherine. Uh, and Cash says, like, his pantyhose are riding mm. into the unknown. Mm-hmm. And Tango's like, yeah, we're into the unknown. Okay. <laughs> All right. We clear that up. The quiz is correct. Uh, Cash is called the newspaper downtown clown. Correct. The correct answer was Quan. Oh, originally sorry. set him up. I screwed it up. Ugh. And, uh, oh, the correct answer for Skinner was they threatened to rip his tongue out with a tow truck. Well, so there we are. We did all right. Um, the average score for the quiz is five out of 10. So we did better than the average Tango and Cash, than the one other person who found this <laughs> quiz on the internet. And the actor who played Owen. <laughs> <laughs> the Buddy Cop movie was a true staple of the 1980s. And this is a fitting farewell to that decade of sometimes serious, sometimes funny, but almost always enjoyable films. Tango and Cash may have been over the top, but it was also incredibly fun, inventive, and enjoyably bad. One podcast proclaimed it, quote, the last film before irony was created, unquote. That sounds about right. And on that note, stay limber. <laughs>